Hello, before you go any further, a quick favor from me to you, please. If you're loving my podcast, if I'm helping you change your life or giving you new ideas you never had before, please consider buying me a cup of coffee to thank me and to support me for my free work here. I put a lot of time, love and effort into these podcasts to help all of you get the jobs that you deserve, perhaps change your pronunciation and, of course, bring in the income that you need. If I have helped you, could you please help me? Recently, I lost the sponsorship of the podcast from Anchor and it means that there is zero income coming into this program and yet I'm still trying to record podcasts for you all. So follow the link down in the show notes or you can go to eslbusinessenglishexperts.com or initial-impact.com and sponsor the show by clicking the links there. Thank you very much. Also grab yourself your free mini version of Fix Your Pronunciation Fast, my downloadable coaching audios and video program. It's on a limited basis only, so grab it while you can at impactquantumsuccess.gumroad.com and find the Fix Your Pronunciation link there. Finally, we have one sponsor that's providing free ESL English, IELTS OET, AMC, immigration, jobs, coaching, lots of uh, support and resources there, you need to go to iwantout.wildapricot.org and you can check them out there. Thank you very much. Enjoy the program and keep going. Hello and welcome to another podcast. It is Coach Mark Manila here from ESL, businessenglishexperts.com and initial-impact.com. A warm welcome to the program. And uh, I hope you are all feeling happy towards the end of the year, wherever and however you are going to be, uh, yeah, marking the occasion. So today I'm continuing the series about, yeah, if you're a doctor, if you're a medic trying to get yourself into Australia, it's a popular place to go. And we're going to carry on talking about how to break it down and how to manage this, because there is a lot to digest. And I'm getting quite a few comments now, so I can clearly tell I've got a lot of medics listening. So hello to you all. And uh, thank you in advance for everything that you do to try and keep as many people worldwide safe and healthy. Um, Okay, so yeah, with regards to the actual uh, situation, if you are going to be uh, trying to get yourself into Australia, um, you need to take part in something called the AMC Clinical Examination. Now, um, the AMC, if you're not aware, you should be, but uh, if you're not, and if you're listening and you're just interested in this and not a doctor, it's the Australian Medical Council. Um, Now, it's an integrated, um, structured clinical um, assessment, and it is multidisciplinary. Now, if you are doing English as a second language, don't run away thinking this podcast isn't for you. You can absolutely get some fantastic vocab from this. So stick around, make it an active listening session, take notes, and then practice summarizing what you've heard out loud to yourself afterwards, record yourself, watch yourself back, and then try to use the new vocabs that you've learned in this session in your next conversations in English, okay, wherever and however they may be. So it's multidisciplinary, which means it covers many different specialties, okay? So um, when we look at it, it, uh, it basically consists of 16 assessed stations and four rest stations. So I'll explain what those are in a minute. And it is generally um, given to you. You'll take uh, this particular examination either online uh, via a video conferencing setup, okay, at a location organized by you, okay. Um, Or obviously, if COVID is still okay there, which I believe it is now these days, then you will attend it at the National Test Center in Melbourne, and it's called the NTC. 
Now, what you do when you go there, and we'll talk as though you're going to go there face to face, okay? Um, you will go through a series of what they call stations, and at each one, you'll have to undertake a different range of tasks, all obviously with a clinical nature. Now, the candidates um, in a clinical examination session are assessed against the same station. So, um, for example, whatever you do, your fellow colleagues or peers also being assessed will have to do the same. All right. So it is a very fair test. The stations take, in general, about 10 minutes. Uh, you're usually given about two minutes to read what you're expected to do. And then you have eight minutes, people, to do and complete the assessment. All right. So it's pretty full on. Now, some of these stations may have actual patients there. Okay, like real life, I mean, yeah, you know, from the wards that have offered to help out. There are also what we call like, you know, just sort of a simulated patients. They're, they're pretending, they're actors, whatever, okay. Um, or there may even be videotape patient presentations, all right? So you don't know what you're going to get. Um, all other relevant materials and supporting documents like digital stuff, like photos, um, charts, etc., cetera, um, readouts, printouts, okay, anything like that can also be used in the exam. So be prepared to assess a number of different resources and materials to work through the stations. Now, what is required for you? So in order to actually do the clinical examination, you've got to pass that MCQ, that's the multiple choice um, <clears throat> examination first, before you can proceed to doing the clinical examination, okay? And we'll go through that um, in a separate, a separate stage, okay? So um, how do they do this? Well, basically, um, these days, as far as I'm aware, the COVID situation has released and relaxed back up. OK, but let's just talk about COVID a little bit. So um, they have a policy for this, and it means that there is always a COVID safe environment at the National Test Centre. So this applies to anybody who is entering that NTC. OK, so it's not just limited to um, visitors or the exam participants is basically all people, right? Staff, contractors, the lot, all right? And um, you need to check out the actual requirements before you attend on the day if you're going in person and uh, they will inform you exactly what the current situation is. Now, let's talk about what you can find at the stations. Um, this is basically coming from a range of research that I've carried out here and also from speaking to other doctors um, and, you know, obviously monitoring and seeing what the discussions are like on certain forums. So again, this isn't exhaustive. Now, when I say this isn't exhaustive, that's a nice expression. It means this list is not the full list. There may be others I'm not including. Again, I am no expert as in, oh, I'm a doctor and I administer these tests. I am not affiliated with the AMC at all. However, I am a coach who has coached many doctors who have gone through this type of process. So please bear in mind that when it comes to listening to this, do your own research on top of this as well. But it's going to give you a rough idea. So at the stations, um, you will be needing to use your clinical skills um, for a whole range of things. You might be faced with um, paediatric problems, uh, women's health problems, men's problems, mental health issues, medical, surgical, you know, emergency. There could be all types of things that you have to deal with here, okay? And it will be set in a different range of settings. So you'll be given the context, like if this is a community situation, are you in a GP's office, are you in a hospital, all right? And the idea is, is that each station um, has a very wide range, okay, of assessment that they're going to be looking at. 
So they'll be checking things such as, you know, your examination skills, your history taking, are you good at getting that information out of people, um, your diagnostics, all right? How do you come to your conclusion about what this diagnosis is? And of course, how do you also support the patient, right? It's about your people skills as well. Remember, patient skills are really important here. So counselling and the education you might give to them. And of course, talking to them about how they might manage whatever condition you've diagnosed that they have. Um, now, this is not, as I say, the full list. There may be other things they're looking at too, but really what they're looking for certainly is clarity of communication and also excellent listening skills. Because remember, you've got to find out quite quickly and get to the point quickly from looking at reading the records, assessing any x-rays or any chart readouts like ECTs or whatever, right, that you can communicate well. So if English is your second language, you absolutely need to work hard on this, okay? So I would recommend you go through role plays, you practice getting um, information from the patient, understand the history. So really practice your listening and questioning skills, but also your reading skills. Read widely. Um, we know obviously looking at charts and diagnostics and x-rays are fairly straightforward. You've got those skills already, um, but it's actually how then you communicate what you're seeing on those x-rays or readouts to the patient if English is your second language. And you want to do it in a way that is understandable, not using jargon clearly, but of course, in a way that doesn't alarm the patient and reassures the patient too. Um, and anybody who's worked with me knows that I teach you the psychology of words. So it's not just English. I mean, really, honestly, English isn't what I teach. I teach you how to use words in the right way to get the maximum impact. That's my specialty. And no more is this true than when I'm coaching my doctors, my nurses, um, you know, lovely veterinarians, anybody who's in the caring profession, counsellors, because it isn't just what you say, it's how you say it. Okay. So if you're unsure about that and you think you could make a bit of a bodge of this, that's a nice word. A bodge means a bit of a mess of it, you know. Um, and you are worried about your English as a second language, perhaps you're going to say it in a very abrupt way or not clear way, or perhaps um, you might do it in a, in a version that would be working in your country. Like so, and my Arabic students uh, tend to be very wordy and use lots of run-on sentences. The same with my Filipino um, clients. And the thing is, is this, that you know, we've got to get straight to the point. So if you're worried about this or your sentence construction, grab a 60-minute session with me. I will absolutely show you what you need to do to make this sound better. If you don't want to do that or you can't do that, you can sign up for my special premium podcast, all right? The subscription only. The link is down below. When you do that, you're going to get access to like a mini training session in each of my podcast series that you can't get on the free platform here. And this will help you practice and you can pause me, repeat it, whatever, and you can follow me. So do sign up for those because I'm recording those at the moment and those especially for medics, okay? So I'm going to be focusing very much on how you can improve your manner with your patients and the type of wording and the way that you might want to deliver good news and bad news. And that is going to absolutely help you, okay? So get yourself signed up to those so you can access those in the new year. All right, so examples of the sorts of things that you might have to check out in these stations are things such as, you know, you might have a patient who's saying they've got a short breath, you know, shortness of breath. Perhaps they've got a bit of a skin rash or something as well, right? What's going on here? We've got a combination of things here. So 
this would be taking a history, wouldn't it? You'd be asking, well, what's been going on? When did this start? And how long have you been suffering with this? And were you exposed to anything when this shortness of breath and skin rash appeared? Right. So these types of questions and constructions will be helpful. Um, you might also be required to look at lab reports, right? Like I said, um, diagnostics. Um, it could be that uh, there's a, like I had fairly recently with my kidneys after COVID, um, you know, really extreme potassium levels. You know, what's going on in this patient? Why is this happening? Um, and what else do we need to order? Obviously, in my case, they needed to order an ECG and, and they obviously had to get that potassium level you know, reduce quite quickly um, because the potential damage from my heart. So, you know, these types of things, you would be interpreting those lab reports along with the diagnostic and the history taken of the patient to look at what on earth happened, okay, and how has this taken place. And um, so that would be more about the diagnostic formulation stations that you would do that. And then there will be things like physical exams, right? Uh, you might have somebody there who's got a suspected stroke, perhaps, or something like that. Um, so they may have paralysis down one side of their body and of course you would be examining them to check for weaknesses. Is it, you know, is it bilateral? Is it on both sides? Is it just unilateral? And of course, in conjunction with the history taking, you would come to a diagnosis, maybe there are some sort of um, small stroke, mini stroke or ischemic attack. Um, in addition, um, we're looking at other things such as counselling, right? So maybe you've got someone presenting who's just been told they're a diabetic, all right? They've just been um, diagnosed with type 2 diabetes and they're quite shocked and upset about it. So you need to educate that diabetic patient on you know, management of their, their condition, counselling about it, a little bit of reassurance, I'm sure, because many diabetics do not like doing, you know, uh, finger prick tests if they have a phobia of needles. Um, and in addition, um, if they have to inject insulin, depending on the management of it, then this might be an issue. So again, there's going to be a little bit of counselling and reassurance, and maybe you'd need to refer them to some extra nursing support to, to get them through that stage. Um, we also would have things such as a management plan. So this would take part again in part of the education and management section. So ensuring that you have given a plan to a patient for their particular condition. So again, with the uh, the diabetic example there, right? Um, it, it would be, for example, something like, you know, you want to give them um, advice on their diet, okay, their exercise, what they need to look out for. And of course, watching for additional risks that they're now exposed to. Obviously, COVID is one of those. But of course, as we know, with diabetic patients, sometimes they can have problems with their feet. Um, if they get wounds on their feet, uh, particularly lower limbs and circulation, that can be an issue. And of course, issues with their, their eyes as well. So these are the types of things, of course, you're going to be expected to be educating the patient on. And they're going to be checking you on this to ensure um, that you can fully do that. So get very good. These are my top tips. You want to get good at asking questions, lots of questions, open questions, okay, to find out how symptoms arise. Um, and also do it in a very informal language, not jargon, all right, in case it's got to be a patient friendly. Also, um, you might need to take information from a third party. Maybe it's a parent, so you could get, so, you know, one of the um, examinations could be it's a child. And you're speaking to the guardian or the parent or the grandparent and you're trying to get that from the third party or maybe it's a carer um, perhaps you've got somebody there who's a bit um, you know not not well unwell can't answer or respond for themselves so you're going to be asking the carer to try and get that third party information all right 
Um, clearly, the physical exams should be fairly straightforward because it doesn't matter what language we're using. But what is important is that you can direct the patient. You know, if you want them to turn over, if you want them to raise their arms, you want them to squeeze your hand. You've got to be able to use all of these lovely words, right? Okay, and get it out there very clearly so you don't confuse them and it's pleasant. Okay. Um, when it comes to things such as looking at the diagnostics, again, you know, making your diagnosis is fine, um, but you've got to be able to interpret it and then, of course, speak about what you're seeing. So these are the sorts of things that I want you to be able to focus on. Um, and if you take a session with me, when you do that, we go through all of these. So we cover taking the history of the patient, okay, taking the history from third parties, and um, how do you use the right words for physical examinations, and how do you interpret the lab report, and how would you tell a colleague about what you're seeing, okay? Because it's not just about always telling or saying it to the patient, okay? Um, it's really a question of also, right, how do you tell your colleagues or pass it on to nursing staff so they understand? Um, also, um, it has been developed, just so you know, the clinical examination has been designed also for online delivery too, right? Um, so the, the same principles apply, right? The criteria is exactly the same as the in-person one. The only exception clearly is the hands-on part of a physical exam. Um, so in that case, you'll be required to show your clinical reasoning, your interpretation, and detailed description of the physical examination techniques and process. So if you're going to do the online one, I would actually say that is a, is a bigger challenge, even though you might think it's easier because you're not at least there under pressure. But you know, if English is your second language, or even if it's not, um, you've got to be able to describe how would you check a certain part of the body? Like, can you describe it to another person? Like, for example, well, if the patient presented with a suspected stroke, um, I would be checking for the pupil dilation and I would also be checking with um, perhaps their speech, um, their sort of weakness. So they have to have one sided weakness. So therefore, I'd be asking to squeeze my hand. OK, I'd be checking the reflexes. So you've got to be able to describe what that is. And if you're going to struggle with that, as I say, definitely practice and coach. OK, lots on this because uh, you can fail this. You can seriously fail this quite quickly. Um, so if you're a medical doctor or nurse who's really concerned about this, then get in touch with me, please. The details are down below. And um, it's a money back session I can give you as well. So if you are not delighted or you don't feel you've, you've practiced or improved anything from that session, I will refund your fee, less the credit card processing fee, which I don't get to keep. It does get retained by the credit card processor. But uh, really, you've got nothing to lose. Absolutely nothing to lose. Um, now, let's just talk a little bit finally um, about what, okay, what you really should be expecting here. Um, it's a challenging situation to say the least, okay? Um, many people report this is probably the hardest thing to go through um, in passing into becoming a doctor in Australia, all right? So it's important you prepare well in advance, okay? Um, and as I say, there is the, the multi-choice uh, questionnaire examination first. So that one is computer administered and it's an exam of three hours and 30 minutes or so three and a half hours and has 150 questions. OK, so it's quite uh, quite detailed, to say the least. Um, but I'm going to cover that in my next podcast. So check out the next podcast following this. This is going to go into more details regarding the clinical exam, the actual specifications. OK 
and of course what you're going to expect also from that multiple choice questionnaire all right okay so i'll see you in the next podcast and um, as i say do sign up for my more in-depth coaching because that is where you need to be at to be able to nail this i'll see you soon take care Thank you for listening to my podcast and if you have enjoyed it, please feel free to sponsor a segment. If you're listening on Spotify, you can simply go to sponsor this podcast and you will be able to sponsor me for as little as just 99 cents a month, which is highly affordable and also gratefully appreciated. If you prefer to do something one-off, then you can just simply buy me a cup of coffee. Again, details are in the show notes below each program and you can click there and pay securely via Stripe. And again, this enables me to continue providing these podcasts totally free of charge for you all here so even if you can't afford high level coaching i'm sure that every now and again you might want to sponsor me to enable this podcast to keep running for as long as possible for you thank you in advance for everything you can do to help keep me keeping these going for you and of course you can just simply help me by spreading the word about the podcast Put me on your social media, everywhere that you go, tweet about me, blog about me, whatever you'd like to do about me, as long as it's beneficial and it's polite, okay? I welcome all of that, but please just circulate the information far and wide. Our job here in the Coach Mark Manila family is to get this information into the hands of the people like you who really need this and deserve to get this at a really free price. Take care. I'll see you soon.